after 32 years of pretty much living in one place. Um, so I had to like make that awkward ask, like you're asking someone out on a first date, except it's another guy. And you're like, will you go to coffee with me? And then will you, you know, mentor, disciple me? Um, so I would say that's largely my experience. Welcome back to Anchored and Devoted. I'm Pastor Joseph Ann. Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jared. And this is Friday, as you can hear by his special voice. We have someone who is special, and it's not just Jer. We have someone else, another pastor, who has shown up for our fantastic Friday. Who is it? I have, I have Pastor Seth Rumsey from Grace Community Church. If you all haven't figured out, I'm hitting all the pastors of Grace. He's an amazing brother. How are you able to do that with such proficiency? <laughs> we all share doors, so it's pretty That's easy. Right. You just <laughs> walk around and, and say yes. When Dave, when Dave asks something, you say yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, there That's you how go. This podcast got started, actually. Yeah. That, that, that actually right. is how it got started. So, buckle so the up. The secret to discipleship is have connecting hallways. The, there it is, and, and doors that connect to them. Buckle up, listen up. This is Anchored and Devoted. So, Seth, I've had the pleasure of knowing you for a couple of years now. And one of the things you don't know is that uh, um, in your story, and Jeremy, you can edit this out later or keep it, you know, you're in charge of that. Um, he shared about how his father-in-law passed and his influence on your life. And that has been... Um, life-changing for me because one of the things you shared about him was his intentionality in giving Bibles away and how um, he would engage annually with the goal of blessing someone in the family with the Bible. And so um, uh, for the last two is years, I've been got, doing that. Is that what got you going on? Yes, that's uh-huh. what that okay. was. That's, that's, so I, know about, I, I know about that. Habit. I have, you're marking stuff up and I, with the goal I, of giving it to someone. I do. So I have my second one for this year and hopefully won't realize or at least won't listen to this episode. But Christmas present is a Bible where uh, in the morning I get up early and for my quiet time, I write prayers in them. Um, I highlight sections and put thoughts for herself and then thoughts for myself. Um, I thoroughly enjoy it and wish someone had told me about it before. And I was so disappointed. I had to learn about it as... Mm. You know, in the midst of a passing, but I, yeah. I want you to know that, and I, I don't think I've ever told you that, but it it is one of those things that has impacted my life significantly. Um, That's and cool. I was already reading and you know all that kind of stuff, but that is something that I've gleaned from your family that has definitely impacted my family in a positive way. So thank you for sharing. Um, welcome to Anchored and Devoted. We're glad you're here. This is not the intro. Hopefully, you've already listened to the intro. Um, I'm glad you're here. Your role at Grace Community Church, where I work, is what? What is your role? And how did you come to know Christ? Yeah, so my my current role, and uh, <laughs> and again, thanks for thanks for inviting me, allowing me to be a part of this, you guys. Uh, you're very welcome. Dave Dave paid me a lot of money for this, so yeah, whatever. Um, Probably not enough, uh, but maybe it's a start. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm currently at Grace Community Church um, in Fulton, Maryland. I get to work alongside Dave Joseph and 
uh, be a partner in the gospel with him. Um, my current role is essentially I'm the pastor of disciple making, I think is the official title. And uh, really what I get to do is a lot of our overarching discipleship work. So what is what is our discipleship pathway at Grace? How do people uh, connect into it? What are the different uh, milestones and the spiritual growth path for them as they move forward? And how can we help better create uh, relational discipling environments to help people yeah, um, cool. not only be a disciple, but also make disciples. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it's a, it's a great role. I get to work with a lot of different ministries and conversations around how that is forming and shaping itself here in, in our context. So, uh, and then the second question was how, how I came to oh, Christ. So just right? hit, hit pause there for a second. Cause okay. I want to hear more about, I want to hear more about how you actually do the ministry here. So what does, what does discipleship making discipleship ministry, what does that look like on a practical level? Like, you know, 30,000 feet practical. 30,000 feet practical. Um, <laughs> Use a parachute now. Means, yeah. Uh, yeah, no. So, I mean, it's, it's a loaded word, obviously it's a hot, hot topic word. Um, I think if you, throw that word on a book, you at least get some sales these days. Um, (laughs) So in a, you know, obviously in a general sense, uh, we hope and aspire that all we do is discipleship, Mm -hmm. which is helping people um, mature and grow as, as they become and image uh, the very character and person of Christ. And so, right. our, Our preaching and, Prayer and gathering times on a Sunday are part of our discipleship and mm-hmm. um, the various um, groups for studying God's word and growing in obedience to him are all part of our discipleship. So, right, in, in a general sense, each component is attributing to that in some way. Um, but the the danger, I think, is is just, you know, the shotgun approach, just do all things for all people mm-hmm. and always call it discipleship and there you go. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so our effort is to give that some a unique and specific nature to it so that people understand it. They know how to move forward in it. You know, everything from defining what a disciple is to mm-hmm. specifically what are those marks and and how does that uniquely play itself out at grace? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the specific kind of like your <clears> – <throat> your main spiritual spine that people uh, are expected and encouraged to walk through, whether that be classes or specific groups or specific relationships um, to grow. And then is this in the membership track for grace or is this sort of parallel to, to all that? It's a work in progress. So the, the um, yeah, how that, interacts with our membership and what the overlap is and uh, is actually a primary point of conversation right now. Um, So, yeah. Excellent. So then how did you become a believer to go back, go back to that? Yeah. So we'll go back. So um, yeah, I like, I like to begin that spiritual legacy with my parents who both grew up in non-believing homes and, uh, my mom came to faith on a bus uh, in high school when she was a cheerleader. And I think it was a, a, a 
another player, a football player, you know, questioned her about her faith and shared mm-hmm. the gospel with her. And she came to saving faith. My dad later came to faith in college. Um, they both grew up, grew up in, in divorced homes and okay. uh, with various drama there, but came to faith and that radically began to began to change their family tree. So mm. being the first in both of their families to find Jesus, um, then they had the opportunity to share that with siblings and with parents. And uh, eventually um, their immediate families and extended families also came to Christ from that starting point. I think all but one brother of my dad's has, has come to saving faith. Um, okay. and so really remarkable. And so obviously when my parents met, they were, they were at a little small Bible college out in Colorado. Um, they met, got married, started a family in kind of the suburbs of Chicago, came back to that area. My dad grew up in DeKalb, so we ended up in Wheaton. Um, and it was obviously a priority for them that they would begin a new family heritage, you know, raising up their children in the Lord and uh, being, um, a part of the church and, so I'm I'm grateful for that, and so that was instilled early on, um, understanding and being uh, having the gospel explained to me at an early age, mm-hmm. being regularly in the Word, being regularly in prayer, um, and that being modeled by my parents was, yeah, incredibly influential. So I, I was probably around five years old, right, when I, uh, in my own mind and heart, and a my own genuine sense of what Jesus had done for me, confessed him as Lord and Savior. Yeah. Uh, from there, it, it grew as continued to uh, be a part of the church, grow up in youth group, had some really significant male mentors and leaders through high school, uh, was baptized. I think that moment right before going into my freshman year of high school being baptized was, I think, where I could really pinpoint Mm-hmm. I got it right. Yeah. Uh, I believe it. It's mine. Um, even if my parents walked away, um, this this is still the Savior I confess and the God I I choose to follow. So, no. Did you um, was did you choose baptism at that time, or was that something where that was the age at which your church baptized their kids? No, it was my choice. Okay, uh, kind of coming out of eighth grade year and. And feeling like that was the next step for me. And so I told my parents I'd like to get baptized. And um, I think there was a an opportunity to do it among some of the other teenagers with the youth mm-hmm. groups. And uh, yeah, I remember I remember they uh, the baptismal pool. They had heated it up so hot. I don't know. They were worried it would cool down. It was like it was like <laughs> a hot tub. And I was one of the last to go, and my youth pastor was in there. And by the time I got in there, he looked like he was going to faint. I mean, his, oh, he was sweating <laughs> profusely. His face was beat red. He was, like, leaning up against the wall. I'm like, Matt, are you okay? He's like, no. <laughs> he was dying. I don't know why. What in the world? Um, wow. So wow. that memory comes to mind for sure. But Buried, uh, with, buried in our sins, we are raised with lobsters. Yeah, yeah. So wow. anyway, yeah, that was, uh, I, I would say, you know, obviously there, there are points of, I think, significant milestones of growth and maturity and kind of establishing my faith. But, yeah, those were the, 
I think the key moments there. Awesome. Awesome. So how did you actually get to Grace? Oh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, Dave's got some. When, when did you, um, you came, I get it. Eighth grade. When did you, um, uh, or how did you deal with your faith when it came to college and, you know, when you left home? Yeah. So I went, uh, I went to Bethel, uh, up in the Twin Cities, kind of Minneapolis, St. Mm-hmm. Paul area. Um, I was studying art education, um, continued to be involved with, with Bible studies and various opportunities on campus. Um, although I would say that during college, I'd say by and large, I, I took a break from like, I never got part of a local church in any significant way. I just, I would visit, uh, churches, John Piper's church, mm-hmm. um, Ephraim Smith's church, um, Greg Boyd's church. There's kind of some bigger names on that area that I would just float around to. Um, but I would say I, I, I coasted. Uh, for a while, I think at least the first two, two and a half years. Okay. Um, and then, you know, and you'd use the excuse, ah, I've got chapel three times a week on campus. I've got Bible studies and I'm on a Christian mm-hmm. campus. I go to, you know, I have various classes that I, I have to attend around. Yeah, for sure. No, right, no end of theology. excuses at Bible college. And so, right. So it's all <laughs> of that. And of course those things were good. And, and, I've, uh, but I don't know that I hadn't established for myself, like what it meant to be a member of a church, like a local church this is where I'm expressing what it means to be a part of the body and to live out the one another's and to mature and grow. And so mm. that came later. Um, but, but God still in his grace and mercy did a lot during that time. Mm-hmm. And so very thankful. Okay. And you had your question, Jer? Yeah. how did you come to grace? So Grace Community Church came after 11 years of youth ministry in West Chicago. Okay. And so uh, right out of graduated um, from Bethel in 2006, um, jumped into a part-time youth role that became a full-time youth role a few years later and uh, did that for 11 years. So from 2006 to 2017, and uh, those were – Incredible years. And, uh, but there was a point where, so at that point, um, you know, got married, began to have kids and, uh, just sensing that that season was coming to an end of youth. Mission. I loved it. I wanted to actually finish while I still loved it and still mm-hmm. had a passion for it. Um, but also be, um, faithful to the ministry and to the students and parents to say, Hey, like I want to finish well and I, I can see my, finish line for this coming to an end. So actually I gave my church my 18 month notice. I said, I'm going to finish out this school year and I have one more school year and then, <laughs> and then God's going to lead us somewhere else or, or maybe just transition roles within the church I was at. But, right. um, so that was an eight, 18 month process of prayer and discernment. And, uh, you know, in, in terms of any, I didn't, I didn't send my resume out. I just talked with uh, pastors and friends and other mm-hmm. churches that I had relationships with. And Grace Community Church here was one of them because I had worked with Mitchell Lee uh, back in Chicago. We worked together okay. for a while there. 
he had already come back here, felt God's call to come back to Maryland. I had been working at Grace for a few years. Reese at that point had transitioned to the senior pastor. And so when I said, hey, Mitchell, I just gave, you know, Community Fellowship Church my 18-month notice. We're discerning what's next. Would you pray for me? Um, would you be a mentor friend through that? That began conversations that led to us coming here. So we, with a few other options on the table, felt like this was the next step. It was the scariest. It was the hardest. And we felt like that's what God was leading us to. Mm. Uh, the one that required um, faith and trust and a release of mm-hmm. a lot of what we knew and what was comfortable to us. So, um, yeah, that brought us here in the summer of 2017. Where, where did you and your wife's? Your wives. Where did you? Yeah, just one. I don't want to just one. Okay. Just, I want Joy, to clarify because you know, sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where did you and your wife grow up? Uh, so I grew up in Wheaton. Um, okay. And Joy grew up in Northampton, Massachusetts. Um, Good. Good. And Northampton's probably best known for where Jonathan Edwards pastored uh, in his ministry and is buried. And so my father-in-law who pastored for 25 years in Northampton, was a big Jonathan Edwards fan. He would lead tours around his grave site and his church and where he did ministry and stuff. And so, yeah, so that's where my wife grew up. My wife grew up in a very secular, she knew no other Christians in her entire high school in Northampton. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, in New England, I grew up in Wheaton, Illinois. A little different where, Yeah, where Wheaton College is located and and uh i would say the high school the public high school itself felt like everybody it was cool to be in youth group like or at least visit and be a part of some sort of youth ministry so very different experiences in terms of where we grew up but then joy went to wheaton college for her grad school started attending the church that i was working at um because her dad was the pastor there and yeah that's how we met so so that that sets up the question i was going to ask with the cultural contexts that you guys grew up in being, I can only imagine, significantly different than the D.C., Maryland, Virginia corridor in terms of culture. What things surprised you when you got here to uh, to Fulton? What things have proven to be a challenge that um, you know, are simply different because of the context uh, geographically? Yeah, so I think being here, I mean, it it feels much more big city, so to speak. Um, The 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 work that most people are doing involved in that a meeting is pretty some pretty high level work, whether it's in education or government or um, you know some sort of contracting work for the government. it's fast paced. People are high performing, highly educated, uh, achieving type of people. So, I mean, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. I mean, they're, they're doing incredible things. I think I was surprised by that though. Like, man, these are some people that are, are high up. Um, I was also just, it was really refreshing though. Uh, I didn't, I didn't get the sense that at least the people in the church were, you know, celebrating that, flouting that, being, you know, th- there was a lot of humility and, and genuineness in people that you would have never guessed they're mm-hmm. leading these large companies. Or, um, But it's still, it still brought about that kind of faster paced upper mobility kind of atmosphere. It made, it made 
where I was in West Chicago feel like a small town. Um, <laughs> Joy's upbringing in, in Northampton certainly was small town feelish. Um, you know, I, I went through two stoplights to get from home to work. I could ride my bike here. It's you're always on the highway. It's 15 to 20 minutes to everything. Yeah. Um, so it's just that, that definitely pace of life. So how does that translate into, in discipleship? Like how does, how, what are the challenges of, of fast paced living, not necessarily microwave culture, but certainly furnace culture translate into the metaphor of discipleship and, and the pace at which that goes? Yeah. I mean, that's the difficulty around that is just helping people catch a vision to create space and slow down enough to hear from God and follow him. So um, it's a, it's a large emphasis of what we're trying to instill into the DNA here of this kind of slowed down spirituality, being attentive to God, attentive to one another, um, not letting the hurry of the world hurry your soul. And, and so you're, you're trying to model that practice as a pastoral staff, as a team, uh, you're trying to, uh, integrate it into the language and mm-hmm. also the rhythms of of your church life. Um, I think we're still in the early <clears throat> stages of that, so that that's a big piece. And then I think the other one is is really having to double down on. And Dave, you could probably speak to this too, but that this is a relational process. Like this is about being in relationship with people that uh, you're dedicated to them and you're trying to help them follow Jesus and. And we tend to err on the educational side. Let's sit in a classroom and learn, which is great. It's a part of our discipleship, but it can it can end there, and I can fill my head uh, without actually putting it into practice and being in an authentic relationship with others because I just mm. don't have the time. I mean, I could read a book, listen to a podcast, attend a class for a bit, but um, some of that higher what it takes to relationally engage with people in a real way that Jesus models takes time and effort and energy and patience. And so that, I mean, as you were just trying to both model and, and integrate that into our language and, and push it forward and opportunities for people to be involved with that. Mm. So. Mm. Cool. Very, very yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. It's been fun. I mean, the last couple of years having conversations about limitations at a space that, um, loves uh, to embrace his creativity is is uncomfortable just as encouraging as you were saying Seth our relationship um past the um, the surface but getting to the space of um breaking bread together sharing time and life together um and knowing one another so that you can hear the gospel and see it in the life of the other person um, it's not that easily seen through bumper stickers and um, many other things that we see on the highway. It's more easily seen in backyards and, um, you know, hospital visits and other things where life is um, made more real as the gospel is brought to it. I know Seth has changed roles a couple times, and I won't get into the various roles, but um, all of them have been roles in which the goal was to get people closer to God and get people closer to one another. Um, right. Whether it's community groups or 
um, during COVID, uh, he pretty much, um, had a block party at his house every Sunday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now as a, a pastor of discipleship, it's been fun to see, um, God working in his heart and through his life and all that good stuff. So I'm glad that you were willing to give us some time for this podcast. I do still have more questions, but, uh, thank yeah. you. Um, for yeah, coming and, and playing with us um, in our <laughs> silliness. Um, I know you can ask us questions as well. Um, I don't know if we'll answer them, but you can definitely ask. There you go. <laughs> um, we've, we've had the, um, um, the pleasure of interviewing um, a lot of pastors who have had unique stories when it comes to, um, you know, how... Um, they came to Christ. I'm curious when you look back at your life, when it comes to discipleship, what would you say are some of the things that uh, further your growth or you would recommend for new believers to really try and lean into? Yeah. I mean, I, I think for me, the number one thing, and I would argue it's probably the number one thing for anyone is having those older, mature, maturer believers and they don't have to be that far ahead, but at least a few steps ahead mm -hmm. um, who are pouring into you or who are committed to you that are, who are um, giving you time and space to be with them uh, and specifically around your, your spiritual growth and encouragement in the faith. So I, you know, I can look back and just count, you know, on multiple hands, just all the different individuals who played a part in both modeling their faith, uh, being a good friend, being a listening ear, and and being a mentor, spiritual mentor and disciple discipler in my life. Um, so I just feel incredibly grateful, incredibly blessed, incredibly uh, yes, just overwhelmed by the number of, of men I can point to. Um, so so that's huge. Uh, that's that's been huge. How did that happen? Was that something where you were fishing with them and they decided to pour into you? Or was that a, you went up to them and asked? I've had that happen where people have come up and asked me before and it's like, oh, you know what? I do have space in my life, so I will make time for this. You've taken the initiative. I know I, that wasn't my style, but I did have individuals, um, when I was wandering, um, pouring <laughs> to my life intentionally. And that was uh, definitely a gift from God. So I'm just curious. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was both. So, you know, from youth leaders in youth group and uh, kind of small group, core group, D team, whatever you want to call them, kind of leaders uh, that I had through middle school and high school, um, you know, into college, uh, some, some like junior seniors within that, you know, on campus, uh, that those those relationships naturally formed. I think it was pretty organic and natural. I think as I got launched out of college and then kind of into the, you kind of have to find it on your own. So um, coming out of college, you know, Mitchell Lee, I mentioned before, um, began ministry with him. Uh, he was a, a big mentor. My father-in-law, Dave McDowell, has been a pastor for 45 years. Um, and, and him more as a father-in-law 
mm-hmm. um, and more <laughs> as just witness, just watching him, watching him be a dad, watching him be a husband, um, watching him lead a church. Um, you know, it, that was incredibly significant uh, for me. And then later it became a little bit more formal as I was pursuing um, pastoral ministry and kind of formal ordination. He was a big part of that. Um, other mission, like missionary, I remember some missionaries, um, who, you know, were kind of back and I would ask, I would ask them just cause I knew they had just a little bit more of a, uh, mm-hmm. a worldview and, and had experienced God in the church and other places in other contexts and just wanted their perspective. And some of those were short lived. Some of them were longer. I know. So it was just a, a mm-hmm. whole host of people. And I think when I got to grace, I realized I don't know anybody. I just hit the reset button. Um, after 32 years of pretty much living in one place outside of a short stint to Minneapolis. Um, and so I had to like make that awkward ask, like you're asking someone out on a first date, except it's another guy. And you're like, will you go to coffee with me? And then will you, you know, mentor, disciple me? Um, and, uh, and some of those like worked, it, it clicked others. It didn't, uh, and that's okay too. Um, so I would say that's largely my experience uh, with that. Um, and I like to think of it like upward, you know, horizontally and downward. So there's someone above you. You've got some kind of peer relationship, discipling relationships. Um, and then there's there's people that you're discipling that are coming up. Yeah, for sure. Behind you. So for sure. Try and try and hit that matrix. It's not always uh, not always a full picture, but you yeah. use the word organic. Um, several times now, and I have no desire to beat up on the church. Okay, so I'll say that from the beginning, because when someone starts putting a goad in my back, uh, it feels like they're trying to beat up on me. And this is <laughs> going to be a, a goad statement, all right? The, the kind of time it takes and the intentionality to enter into the lifestyle of a, of a disciple. When, when we look at the example of Christ and the time he spent walking from place to place with his 12, the time he spent eating with people, talking with people, um, you know, obviously enough to get a reputation as say, hey, here's a dude who likes to hang out in the red light district and let's go ahead and ban him from the table. Um, that is, that requires what my pastor often refers to as slaying the idol of the calendar. Because it's, it's mm-hmm. so easy. And I think in most contexts here in the West, it's so easy for our calendar to become so packed with necessities that the things that we know are important aren't able to get the room to uh to move to the top discipleship happens where right it can happen in a discipleship group for sure right Mm -hmm. if you don't have that that's it's a huge loss there but discipleship especially for guys happens when you're building a wall together of really heavy stones it happens Mm -hmm. when you're at the other person's pool grilling dogs or when you're at the other person's kids t-ball game and you've got that hour and a half or two hours or whatever. Yeah. For life to simply emerge in the conversation, 
yeah. and for it to become more real. And without that, if we don't have, if we haven't made the space for that, it's really, really hard to prioritize discipleship. And, and because of where we are here geographically, and because of where we are in the West, because of what I see around me, that's one of the things where I, I would take that goad as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, as a brother, and as a church member, and to the three of us, as well as to all church leaders out there with no with no uh, condemnation, I would say this is something that we we have got to keep in front of our people and we have to keep in front of ourselves. It, mm-hmm. this, this modeling has to be something that grows out of what we're already convinced of and already doing in our own lives with our family, with our close circle of friends that we can say, hey, I may not have the time to meet with all seven of you, but a couple of you, um, yeah, I'd like to bring into my circle and I'd like to show you how I do this so that you can go into this with another three or four people over there and this thing can build out. Uh, that is a, yeah. that's a challenge that's constantly in front of me and one that I constantly fail at. So I don't want to, again, there is no condemnation here. There is exhortation to myself first and to our brothers uh, and sisters in leadership. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good word, you know, and I, I think what I've come to find is um, that those in those more formal relationships where maybe you're meeting weekly, you have some sort of content or, or scripture you're uh, working through. Um, there's there's prayer, there's accountability, uh, there's relationship forming. So in those, uh, I think that's one component, and you're trying to hopefully give people a hunger for it, or at least a taste for it, so that they will make time for what they feel like is important and is necessary. And so they will shift things in their calendar. Um, right now I'm in a season of prayerful invitation of, of who that next group of guys would be uh, moving into the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a huge piece. That's what Jesus models. It's, you know, the master plan of evangelism that like you, you, you prayerfully invite uh, others to consider uh, what it would mean to enter in this relationship. And then they prayerfully accept, right? They either say yes or no, or they can commit to that or they can't. Um, and when it's that two way street and that comes together, that's when I have experienced the most success. So uh, people have to want it. You have to want it. And then the person, the other person has to want it, right? Or else it yeah, doesn't for work. Sure. Um, and then in those less formal environments, you know, where it is around the pool or, or on it, like, like the other day I was on a run with somebody and, um, you know, you're just chatting and having a conversation. Then that's where it's, it's, you don't have to create the space. You just have to change the way you think about what you're already doing. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's just like then a worldview change of discipleship. So it's now like, as I'm going, you know, who can I invite in or here's an opportunity for conversation or prayer or encouragement uh, or shared life um, in, in all the different cracks and crevices of my life and this, in the spaces of what already is filled my calendar. Where can I be intentional in the organic spaces uh, for this? And so that just takes a perspective change and that often can take, I mean, I'm in that process of learning that and learning how to do that better. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a good word. It's, it's so essential and uh, we have to keep fighting for it. There you go. <laughs> One more question for me. Um, yeah. 
Is there any book or any information you'd recommend for a new believer? Any one thought you would encourage them on? Um, or even the seasoned believer, it could be a warning of get busy and <laughs> discipling. I don't know. Um, so what word would you like to share? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think for me, what I've been thinking through, processing, convicted by, it's just the the simplicity, not necessarily that it's easy, but the simplicity of just of uh, learning the way of Jesus and putting it into practice. So um, taking Jesus at his word in his in the Gospels and by grace being obedient to what he says. Right. I, I think sometimes we overcomplicate it. So for a new believer, um, to be connected with another believer, just to read through the Gospel of Mark or read through the Gospel of John. I think those two Gospels are a good place to start um, and keep it simple. You know, what is this saying about God? What is this saying about man? How is how is Jesus inviting me to obey him? And how is the Holy Spirit leading me to do that? And then actually putting that into practice. And I, I like the word practice because it is this whole, this whole discipleship journey is like practicing, failing, experiencing some success here, or at least some, some victories through Christ in these areas. But, uh, it's, we're just, we're practicing and then we come back together and say, how'd it go? And, in, and, uh, we can encourage, challenge, uh, continue to hold accountable, whatever we need to do in that space. Um, so I'm just a big advocate, and for any believer in any season, um, to be work regularly working their way through the Gospels and and trying to, by the grace of God and His mercy, actually follow the way of Jesus uh, and do what He says. Right? Then then you're building your house upon a rock. Whoever hears my words and does them is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Um, as opposed to the one who builds it on the sand. And so there is a, I think we've, we've in the, through the fear or danger of works righteousness, we've also undercut the command to obey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even John 15, what it means to abide in my love is to do what I've commanded you to do. That's how you mm-hmm. abide in me, right? So yes, it's prayer and it's contemplation and it's presence with Jesus. That's abiding, but abiding is also obedience. Yeah, go do um, it. <laughs> go do it. And uh, I, I think we've um, strayed away from that a bit. And uh, and so even even a, a non-believer, there's for them to read through the Gospels and actually start to put into practice the things that Jesus did can learn from it um, as God continues to do His the work that he can only do to regenerate a heart and open up someone's eyes to see him. Um, so I, yeah, that's where I would go. Uh, and that's kind of my recommendation to really any season. Yeah, uh, thank you. In. So, yeah. I, thank you, what I find interesting about that last statement there is that um, the non-believer, I think has an easier time of recognizing um, the, the need for obedience um, if <laughs> if I'm a secularist and I'm entering into an environmental um, 
program or a fitness program or a health and wellness program or a social agenda program, right? It's, it's really clear that it's not enough for me to simply read the literature and put up some memes. Um, mm-hmm. There are things that I need to be doing <laughs> right. that demonstrate. And if someone comes to me and says, hey, you've got this bumper sticker that says whatever, but you haven't done anything else, no one looks at the person and says, Ah, you're just being a legalist. Like, get off my back. Like, what? Do I, everyone's like, everyone recognizes if you're claiming this thing, that means there are actions that go along with it. It's right. in the church that we've uh, we've gotten this chip on our shoulder about. I don't, you can't tell me what I did. Um, it's about me and Jesus. I'm I'm following him and I'm loving him. And if he hasn't told me, then who are you? And it's like, wait a second. Like, where did this thing break? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I yeah. find it amusing. Yeah. And I, you know, I've also been really, I've been thinking and, and trying to put it in practice, like this idea of habits, like, and kind of answering this question you can't answer, like, do habits form the heart or do your heart form your habits? Or <laughs> does your, do your habits form your desires or do your desires form your habits? And it's, it's yes. both, right? It's, yes. <laughs> it's like you're talking to what? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so, um, you know, and I, I usually use running as an example and, and I could, I could point to Dave Joseph as a, you can blame me being a <laughs> disciple of Dave Joseph, you know, I, I, you know, there wasn't anything else to do in the pandemic. So I started running and, mm-hmm. um, I was just, you know, in some old sneakers and then Dave's like, you should get some running shoes and got some shoes and oh man, then that started like putting together, but I still didn't like it. Like I didn't, I just, it was something to do and to get out there, get it, get some fresh air, get some exercise. Um, but the habit formed the heart, the habit formed the desire. So as I kept doing it over and over and mm-hmm. over repeatedly and increased the miles, uh, it actually became a love and my body craved it and my mind would think about it and I would plan <laughs> for right. it and I would get yep. by gear and I would start talking to other runners and I would join running clubs. Right. And, um, and so the 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 habit right that the habits we practice may shape our hearts even more than our minds because we can know something but until we do it it doesn't we yeah. can know we're supposed to eat healthy we can yeah. read books about good diet but until we do it it's not going to change anything about uh, our energy and our health and our well being I say, right? say the and same so, thing about fasting and people mm-hmm, can talk mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. fasting all they want, read all the books about it and until you do it and spend time with God. It's like, this isn't a diet. This is actually <laughs> right. stopping to build yeah. relationship with God. It's like, if you don't do it, then you don't know. Like you, you, and building the habit of it is one of those things where, um, it changes, um, the way you engage with others, the way you think when you know you have this space to get close to God, um, that is set apart just as, um, running gives you space to clear your mind and, you know, deal with stress and some other things, making space to be with God when it comes to letting go of whatever it is he's put in, in the way or you've put in the way that you need to make, uh, room for fasting from television, fasting from food, whatever it is. I view it as the same as running where this is a, what am I letting go? I yeah. put on new running shoes to put on, um, do running shorts, but I got to let go of some things. Um, I told Jer my first marathon, 
I ran with everything under the sun that I thought I would need. <laughs> um, I had a backpack. I had a Walkman. That's how long ago it was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, it was a Discman actually. It was a Discman. Oh, a Discman. So it, wasn't, okay. it wasn't it wasn't that far into the past, but it was a long time ago. And uh, so after a whopping seven hours of Fred Hammond. And the group that was singing, <laughs> I was still worshiping for seven hours. Um, but it was one of those things by my third or fourth marathon, I was running with just a phone. Yeah. And then now it's, you know. <laughs> just I, a watch and some, uh, some shoes. It, that really is it. And I typically find someone who let me borrow the phone at the end of the race. And it's like, hey, can I, I need to call my people and let them know where I am. Yeah. Um, but, but you learn. And mm-hmm. um, you learn also. You know, don't let fear define um, the run or the the getting away, but more okay. I can spend this time with God and relax, mm. and it it frees you That's to. Good. Um, it frees you to relate, as you stated, uh, Seth, in other areas, not just on Sunday or only when it's during Bible study or only when it's the VBS for the week. But no, I can share life with people and engage and have conversations and all that kind of stuff. So that's good. Yes. That's thank good. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the time. Thank you, thank you for the, yeah, absolutely. For coming. Um, yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I love working with you. I love your family and your peoples. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Thanks. Yeah. 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 Thanks for having me. It was, so it was a great conversation. Wanna, if people want to find you, how can they do that? <laughs> yeah, they can. They can just they can we'll, email we'll me. out the street address. So they can email me at, at Seth. Give them Tay's address. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. No, so Seth that at Grace dot community, uh, and uh, yeah, they're welcome to email me and get in touch. Excellent. Well, thank you again, man, for coming on. Um, Brother and sister, dear listener, thank you for coming along with us. If you want to reach us, you can do so at uh, anchoredanddevoted at gmail.com. If this has blessed you, annoyed you, irritated you, please hit like and subscribe. Because that's the only way to let us know that you know you want to change. Um, share this with a friend. Share this with an enemy. Whomever. We are oh, no. no respecters of persons. No, oh, no. We do respect <laughs> people. Anyway. This is Anchored and Devoted. Thanks for joining us. See ya.